Being a great father is like shaving. No matter how good you shave today, you have to do it again tomorrow. Read Markham. Just a good old boy, trying to be a good old man, out here learning on the fly, trying to do the best I can. Hello and welcome to the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. We are so happy that you would spend a few minutes of your day with us, diving into the depths of what it means to be a faithful father. Uh, I'm Perry Hughes, co-host of the show with Brett Etheridge, and we've got a special guest today. Uh, we'll get to Mr. Rick Brewer soon. Uh, what's up, fellas? How are we doing today? I'm doing great. Beautiful morning here in East Tennessee. Excited to be here. Yeah, and uh, Rick, welcome. Where are you coming in from? Yeah, Wilmington, North Carolina, right on the coast. All right, Wilmington. So uh, I'm going to stop the whole intro and and just go, did you get to see that thing get shot down? Did you see the balloon? <laughs> so, but I was a, Go, go. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, for anybody tuning in uh, and not knowing what's going on, there was a uh, an air balloon. I don't really watch the news, but we had a lot of people over at the house this weekend, and so it all came up. But there was some kind of um, supposed Chinese spy balloon that was uh, floated across out of Canada through Montana, across the country, uh, apparently over some, you know, nuclear plants and all this kind of stuff. It was gathering intel and data. And we did not shoot it down until it was over the ocean, right near like Myrtle Beach, Wilmington. They actually, from what I heard, they shot it down from Frying Pan Tower, which is a place we love to go out fish. It's about 40 miles offshore. I mean, but it's like, it's right there in your neck of the woods, brother. So I was curious, like, did you go out and see the thing fizzle down? I mean, is like everybody talking about it right now? Is that like the major buzz around the water cooler? Yeah. So the fishermen in our area are all on the alert for pieces of it because the Gulf Stream, of course, runs right up the coast. So everything lands in the water at Myrtle Beach is in Sneed Ferry in about 12 hours. So, yeah, we're looking for blue pieces and uh, little pieces <laughs> of metal that says made in China on it and stuff like uh-huh. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty wild. That's wild. So, Brett, you had not heard this yet. No, I have been a bl- I have spent my last week pretty much in my bedroom with my newborn. <laughs> I am blissfully unaware of anything else yes. going on in the world right yeah, now. Yeah, of course. You got a newborn, bro. Like that's wild. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's my fatherhood win for the week is keeping uh, an infant alive for well, I guess technically my wife has more or less kept the baby alive, but you know, I I've, I've been there by her side throughout the process. That's a big win. That's yeah, a big win. You. Yeah. Interesting side note, we were in Rutherford County this weekend visiting a mom on a way to a little vacation, walked out in the front yard Saturday morning, and the next door neighbor is standing looking up in the sky and says, look, the balloon, the balloon. Sure enough, you could stand in my mother's front yard and see this tiny, bright silver circle, put a pair of binoculars on it. Sure enough, floating wow. over Rutherford County. So that was great. That's wild. I'm going to have to go do some research. I'm going to go look some stuff up on the internet and see what you guys are even talking about here. Yeah, check that out. Um, If anybody's wondering, when they flew over Rutherford County, I'm sure they were spying on me. I'm I'm so important, you know. Uh, If anybody has any question about that, I'm confident that that's the reason why. I just want to put your mind (laughs) at ease. They were scoping me out, you know. So, But yeah, yeah, good times. (laughs) Well, y'all, I would love to formally introduce uh, Rick to the show. We kind of got off on a little balloon tangent which hey that's fun to do sometimes too but um rick is a a dear and beloved brother of mine uh we go 
back, way back, lots of years we've been friends. And uh, uh, Rick, I just want to say thanks for being here on the show today. But more importantly, thanks for being who you are, brother. You're an important man in my life, a brother in Christ. Rick is um, uh, a family man, father of three. He was a pastor for many years, and now he is a chaplain. And uh, man, we're fired up you're on the show. So thank you for being here. Good to, good to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. You know, let's get about let's get a little background. You know, where'd you grow up? What was as a child? What was your family structure like? What was your childhood like? Give us a little glimpse uh, into into the the youngster, the young buck, Rick Brewer. So it's uh, hard to remember. That's sixty five years ago. So you know, that's a lot of water under the bridge. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> I uh, had a wonderful, wonderful childhood. I really did. Uh, uh, Mom and dad loved each other and made it clear that they loved each other. And I can remember them being, you know, on page and on point uh, and together through uh, lots of decisions and, you know, and uh, in my life and then watching them with my siblings, how they how they worked and how they worked together. It was a beautiful thing. And I, you know, I know they had disagreements and there were a few times when I could kind of um, sort of catch a little whiff of uh, argument, but right. never anything in public in front of us much at all. So uh, they loved us, loved me. Uh, I had great parents. They uh, did their best to, you know, teach us how to live, how to be productive, good citizens and how to love other people and how to. Um, how to do the right things and make the right choices. So I really had a great, great childhood. Great parents have uh, have uh, two brothers and a sister. We were all tight. Had a great relationship. Just uh, it was a great life. I was so blessed in so many ways. When I hear uh, when I hear when I'm in conversations with others, and sometimes hear about uh, the you know kind of the broken childhood that they grow up in, uh, I feel. You know, I feel so blessed to have grown up the way I grew up. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, how about uh, you and your dad specifically? Did you have a pretty good relationship with your dad? I know you're saying you had great parents. They loved each other. They poured into you. They taught you. You know, they raised you well. Um, were you closer with your mom? Were you closer with your dad? Did you have a, a closer relationship with each of them individually? What was that like? Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but I, I would really say I had a closer relationship with mom for maybe like the first 10 years, you know, like in my youth, I, dad worked a lot. Uh, he was in the retail business, so he was gone a pretty good bit. Uh, and so, but very, very close with mom. But then uh, it just seemed like when I got a little bit older, began to spend more time with dad and more kind of quality time with him mm -hmm. and uh you know the and especially in my my teen years and in my early adult years very close to dad and probably closer to him than mom in those years do you have a fondest memory so if you think back to your relationship with your dad is there a moment that stands out an event time spent together what what stands out as a fond memory or two with your dad you know, dad, uh, yeah, there, there's so many. I, I uh, kind of struggle with that question a little bit to sort of put a pin in one of those. But uh, I would say this. He was always 
involved with us and loved to play with us. And what I mean by that is he was just such a gamer. Ping pong, pool, badminton, horseshoes, darts, cards, risk, checkers. It didn't matter. He was always playing with us. And not because, not because like, or at least my impression, not because he had an obligation to, or like, okay, now we're going to play together. You know, yeah. it, was, you know it was like, hey, guys, let's shoot some pool. Let's go out and uh, throw the football. And I, that was just such a rich time for me. So many times I can just go back to playing basketball with dad, my brothers, some neighborhood kids, and dad playing basketball for two hours in the backyard. You know, just those kind of memories are so sweet. Learn so much about him, so much about life, um, and had him pour, I didn't know it at the time, pour into me in the midst of that of the game, if you will. So, yeah, it was kind of in the uh, couched in gaming, you know, uh, and play together. That, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a profound, it's a profound statement because you recognize that he genuinely wanted to be with you. And that's, that's a huge difference because I think the impression that leaves on a young boy is I'm valued. I'm important. My dad loves me. He wants to be with me. I'm not a burden. I'm not an obligation. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah, I agree. I never, I never had that. I never had any other view of his time with us when we were playing other than, Hey, we're just going to have a great time together, you know, and we're going to, we're going to shoot pool. We're going to play ping pong and we're going to have fun. We're going to laugh, you know, uh, and I didn't know it at the time, but he's going to teach us how to live in the midst of all of that. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. What an uh, <clears throat> inspiration, you know, I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, cool. I, I want to invite my kids to play ping pong more often. I want to invite them to, you know, Hey guys, let's go do this. And, and sometimes my kids will come to me. Hey dad, you want to play ping pong? Hey dad, you want to play cards? Hey, do you want to go, you know, ride dirt bikes or, you know, right. whatever it is. Right. Um, and it's great. And, but man, it just inspires me to want to do it more, you know, just do it more, be more, be more engaged with them, be more involved with them, be more intentional about it. Um, because it is so important, you know, and, um, just f had time together, having fun. And, um, like you said, using that framework, to then instill the life lessons and the, the values that he instilled in you. That's very much, uh, I think the model in Deuteronomy chapter six. So you teach them on the way mm. as you, as you go. As you're going through life, as you're doing things, as you're together, not so much like, okay, now we're going to all sit down and learn about um, uh, how to forgive. No, while you're in the midst of, you know, playing a game and you get rough fouled under the basket and you just want to, you know, hit your brother in the mouth and your dad teaches you like, hey, no, 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 it's not how we're going to roll here. That's the kind of the beauty of teaching your children on the way, as opposed to, you know, having some kind of arbitrary, weird time when you, you know, teach some kind of something, you know, it was sure it just worked beautiful for us. Man, that's awesome. And as a man, you really got to have some of that stuff mastered to teach them on the way. It's more authentic because it comes from who you are versus. If you're going to have a little classroom setting, you're going to have a little 
session on forgiveness, right. it can easily come from what you know, right? But if it's as you go in the moment, it, the, the teaching, it has to come from welling up from within and from who you are, right? And so I totally get that that is uh, so effective, but maybe that's um, maybe there's a little insight into the heart of why it's so much more effective because you kind of have to have that aspect of your life dialed to be able to uh, teach it as you go on some levels, right? Obviously, I mean, you can kind of, as a dad, see your sons getting heated at each other from a rough foul, you know, and all that, and you can kind of intervene. Um, but man, yeah, that's really cool. I love it. That fires me up to think about that as you go. Deuter- tell me that verse again, Deuteronomy what? Uh, it's in chapter six. It's the uh, it's that section that the Jews call the Shema. Uh, uh, it might be five, six, and seven, or chapter six, but it's uh, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one." You know, it begins like that, and then as it works down through there, it talks about um, teaching these things to your children, and specifically talks about teaching them on the way as you as you're going through life. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. And we'll put that uh, scripture down in the in the show notes in the link uh, for for anybody listening. If you want to look that up and check it out, you can find it. Find it in the link. Thinking about then your transition to being a father yourself, are there things that maybe you look back on and say, man, my dad did this well. Here's how he helped me grow into a man. Here's how I want to show up as a father for my own kids either specifically or or just generally? What was your mindset going into being a father yourself in terms of what you learned about being a father from your own dad? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you one thing that does come to mind, a specific. Uh, and in this instance, he taught me how to, um, you know, he, he taught me the value of just rescuing your child, no questions asked, we'll, we'll sort it out later. So basically, I uh, found myself in Charlotte um, and uh, I had a problem, uh, uh, had a problem, actually had a problem with a motorcycle. So riding a motorcycle, uh, botched it pretty bad, uh, wound up in a bad place, uh, just uh, needed a lift, needed somebody to come and rescue me and my bike. And, uh, I remember thinking, who can I call? Yeah. The call. I've got friends. I've got this, I've got acquaintances, yada, yada. I'm in, I'm actually in college at this point. And I knew I could call my dad. A, he's going to come and rescue me. Now we're probably going to have a talk later about, Hey man, what were you thinking? But I knew he was going to, he was going to be there for me. He was going to make a phone call. Somebody was going to cover for him and he was going to get there. And that that made a that made a big impression on me. And as I walk through my adult years with my children, even when they're grown, if they call, I'm going to get there. Now we're yeah. We may, have, we may have a discussion later about hey, this was a dumb move, you you know whatever. But I'm going to get there and do the best I can to be there for them in that moment when they need someone, you know, when they need a rescue. So that. That was a specific time, uh, and I think he taught me something specific about being a father. That rescuer, the vision of the of the father as the rescuer, uh, unconditional love. Right. You know, no questions asked. I will come for you. I will rescue you. 
you know, boom. And like you said, yeah, there's going to be a discussion later. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there's not any discussion beforehand, right? It's just boom, action. Let's go. You are my son. I am here for you. Right. And it speaks to the relationship that you would have with your dad. And then in turn that your kids would have with you, that that is a phone call you would want to make or be willing to make. And I think not all, not all young men and women maybe have that relationship with their father to where that's somebody that they could go to in that trust relationship. Yeah. And is that is as your kids were getting older, you know, is that something you just like spelled out to them? Hey, if you ever find yourself in a, in a jam, you know, you can call me. Right. Because I mean, my son's about to be 15 and we took him and dropped him off in Asheville to hang out with some friends and watch a movie. And they're kind of going around this little shopping complex that you can walk from stores to stores and there's retail and there's ice cream and there's, you know, the movie theater and all the things. And we just, we took him and we dropped him off with some, some friends that we really don't know all that well. We know him a little bit. Um, and they were just going to hang out for like five or six hours, you know, wandering around this shopping center. And I got to be honest, it was way out of my comfort zone. I was not, I'm not ready. I'm like, bro, you're like JP's four, you're 14 years old, bud. Did you not, you know, I didn't think this was coming yet, you know, <laughs> uh, but here we are, but I drove him up there and I told him, I said, look, I'm going to be honest with you. This is a little outside of my comfort zone. I'm not, I don't, you know, I don't love this, but I value your independence. I value you having time away with your kid with your friends. Yeah. You're younger than I thought you were going to be at this experience, but I trust you. That's what I told him. I said, I trust you. I believe in you. You're a smart kid. And then I also said to him, Hey, listen, I hope you know that you ever get in a jam, you can call me no matter what, you know, you find yourself in a bad spot in a tough situation, pick up the phone and call me. I'll come get you. So in my mind, that's, I, you know, I wasn't sure how else to really communicate that to him than to just tell him. Right. I mean, I don't know. What was it like for you, Rick? I, you know, I want to, I want to say, I would, I, I suspect, I'd almost be willing to bet anything that he knew before the words came out of your mouth. Yeah, you can call me if you get in trouble. I would say if he found himself when it really the stuff hit the fan, and his his first thought was going to be, I could call my dad because you have been that for him. Crashed on the tricycle, you know, uh, stuck in the mud on his dirt bike, you know, hung up climbing, this, that. It might be emotional issues or whatever. You've been there for him consistently through his life. So he he knows. He knows you guys back, you know. And I think it's a beautiful thing to remind him of that. But he knew that. Yeah. Knew that. And I think just in my mind, that's – sort of the maybe one of the best practices for being a father is trying to be there consistently and demonstrate to your child that I'm there for you in small ways as they're rolling up through all of those years. That way, when you get to the the big things later on, they already know. You've already set that, you know, you've already made that perception. You already set that truth in their heart. Dad's Dad's going to be there for me. He'll come and rescue me. We may have a really hard conversation after that, and there's probably going to be consequences, but he's not going to let me just, 
you know, he's not going to leave me in a swamp, you know. Maybe we can continue this conversation a little bit because I am curious about this. You know, Perry mentioned he's now sort of at the front end of a son who's old enough to to have some of this independence. What's your philosophy, Rick, on striking that balance between starting to give your kids freedom and yet being there as a backdrop, as a support, knowing that you're there for them, and yet allowing them to stretch their wings, so to speak? Tell us sort of your philosophy on that. How do we as fathers enable our kids to grow and yet providing a safety and a freedom, uh, a safety and security for them to be able to do that in a safe way. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the, that's the tough one, isn't it? Because if you always rescue and there are no consequences, then you're just an enabler. That's right. And that's a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. But if you, if you never rescue and they always pay every consequence to the utmost, then they're abandoned. So where is the balance there? And I, so I think the balance is uh, in between, well, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, if you rescue a fool in his foolishness, you will have to do it again. Hmm. And it it just speaks to consequences. So consequences are, are, you know, God, God also said in the New Testament, uh, do not be deceived. You you cannot mock God. Whatever you sow is what you will reap. Yeah. And so there, there again, that's Old Testament consequences discussion from God. New Testament consequences discussion from God. So he's talking about feeling the weight of your decisions, understanding the impact of your consequences, and um, prospering or suffering as a result of your decisions. And I think as as fathers, we can't we can't we can't get in the way of that. We've got to help. We've got to help God in that. And and what I mean is, when they're little, you're going to be the instrument by which they feel the consequences for their actions. So when they do something wrong in the household, they're not going to suffer, you know, societal consequences. It's going to be consequences from you, the father. Like, hey. You made a bad decision. Here is your consequence. Your, your, you know, your favorite toy is going into toy jail. Now. Right. And yeah. There'll, there'll, be, there'll, there'll be no having that. Yeah. So. Can I, can I interrupt and tell you a fun story on that? Yeah. I don't want to break the train of thought. So no, go man. But uh, one time our kids were real little. We only had two at this time, JP and Liam. But Nancy and I had been after him and after him and after him about taking care of their stuff and putting their little toys away and, you know, doing things right. And, and, and uh, they just kept not doing it, not doing it. And they kept, they kept, you know, wiling out in some way. And so I went and got this big crate. It was like a trunk from the old days, like you used to travel, you know, with a trunk. And it had a lid and a little collapsible thing that would flop down in a little place to lock it. So at, while they were sleeping one night, we busted in their little room and I, we literally got every single toy that they owned, everything. And we put it in that bin and we closed it up and we put a padlock on it. And when those two kids woke up the next morning, they started looking for their toys. They had nothing, yeah, not a single toy. And they came and asked us about it. And, and we said, well, We've been telling you, we've been asking you guys to change your behavior. We've been asking, we've been asking, you're just not doing it, not doing it, not doing it. 
So uh, all your toys are in toy jail. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they say, what? <laughs> you know, and we say, sorry, you know, and you can earn them back one by, you can earn them back one toy at a time for good behavior. And so then we kind of monitored, I don't even remember what the behavior was that we were trying to write the ship on. Right. But uh, we monitored it during the week and, you know, we said, okay, uh, you know, for the next however long, every time you do make an action or a choice of decision in the right direction, we'll unlock the thing, we'll open it up. You can peer in there and pick you out one of your toys and have it back. And then we're locking it back. And then, you know, like, so every time they would do the right thing or make the right decision or whatever, the right action, we allowed them to, to retrieve, you know, one, one toy at a time out of toy jail. So you can imagine there was some serious contemplation peering into that toy box about which one should I get? Which one? (laughs) Yeah. And that's, that's a beautiful example of, of like consequences in the home. And, and it's important that they feel the, like when you put that lock on there and they got up and they were just like, I told you like, yeah, it's bad. That's right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Consequences. You chose yeah. poorly. Now you're going to suffer. And it doesn't matter if you cry or whine or lay on the floor and kick your feet. Sorry, bro. Consequences. And that's, that's the way they learn when they're little. And then when you're older, of course, the consequences are, are uh, bigger. Uh, they're more, yeah. pain, they're more painful and they're uh, oftentimes uh, implemented by uh, society and authority other than yourself. And those, those, it's the same thing as toy jail. Adult jail is the yeah. same thing yeah. as toy jail. It's just <laughs> on a different level, you yeah. know? And it's important for you, I think, as a father to not get in between your children and their consequences whether it's toy jail or real jail. I mean, just to cite a you know, a real life example and how hard it it maybe could possibly be. I hope it's I hope it's never that, but if it is, you have to let the consequences have their um have their way in that child or that adult. They have to hurt. It's got to bite in order for them to be able to learn. So circle back kind of to sort of Brett's question where, where I always, I always will, will rescue them initially Mm. um, with, with reaching out, with communicating with, Hey, I love you with, Hey, I'm with you, but I'm never going to get in between them and the consequences. So let's say, uh, uh, an instructor in high school says your 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 child is being a, a complete jerk, and here's their consequences. To to you know, you can go in there and have a discussion with the teacher, you know, and try to find out how you can help or how you can be part of the solution. But if you go in there and get between them and their consequences, you've done them an incredible disservice. So. That's kind of how I've tried to navigate, haven't done it well, um, still learning how to do it, but to navigate that whole idea of grace like Jesus has, unconditional love 
like Jesus has and letting the consequences teach that little human being how to live. That's kind of how I've yeah. tried to find my way there, but it's, it's tough. It's tough. Sure. Your, sure. Heart, your heart gets in it, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it is painful for a father's heart right. to watch their child experiencing oh, yeah. difficulty, oh, hardship, yeah. consequence. And even, you know, I would say for the most part, it, it, to watch them experience brokenheartedness, right? I mean, the, uh, uh, an actual physical consequence, yeah, you know, but for me, what really tugs on my heartstrings as a as a father is when they're hurting in their heart or their spirit or emotionally, right? I mean, I can my son can fall off his dirt bike and have a broken arm, and we go, all right, you know, uh, that's just a natural you know process of life. Sometimes learning the boundaries and learning what you can and can't do and how to push the limits and you know all the things, right? Uh, but when he's experiencing sorrow, uh, you know, over that, that's a whole different level of tugging on, on my heartstrings as a parent, as a father, you know, for sure. Um, and I think, I think what maybe helps me, and I'm curious to see how y'all either agree or disagree with this, but the understanding that oftentimes in my own life, growth or change happens or is instigated from the from the depths or from the pit or from the bottom right when i'm at the bottom when i'm really hurting when i real when i'm really experiencing some sorrow or some pain that's when i'm like not anymore jack i'm done with that right you know that's right uh, nope ain't going to be in this space again And so, you know, for me, I think as I'm really just on the front side of some of these bigger consequences that are going to happen with my kids, because guess what? They're human. They're going to screw it up, right? It's not like they're going to, because of my fathering, they're going to just live this great, perfect (laughs) life. Yeah, right. You know, they got, they got their own free will. They're going to figure it out on their own. So I, here I am responsible to a, let them know that I'll rescue them. Let them know that I love them unconditionally. And at the same time, not get in the way of those consequences. I think for me, being on the front side of that, getting in the mental space of remembering my own, remembering the value of my own bottom. Right. You know, right. the value of being at the bottom, the value of being in distress, the value of being brokenhearted, because that is what instigates change. So often in my own life, maybe I'm just hard headed. Maybe I'm just slow to learn, you know. But I don't know. <laughs> Can you guys? That might be a little of it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like I said, Rick and I go way back. He knows me yeah. really well. <laughs> I think you're so much on the money with that. And you know, I've said a lot of times to myself and to others, you don't learn anything on the mountaintops. When everything's great and you're cruising with the Lord and you're healthy and your family's good, woo, you're just kind of cruising along. You know, you don't really come away from that with any profound insight. It's in the valleys and in the ugly places. That's when you learn who you are, who you're 
family is, who God is. And I think it's a little bit of what helps me with this verse in James that used to really tear me up. But I think this is what God is talking about, the truth that you're that you're visiting here when he says us in James chapter one, verse two, consider it pure. And listen to these two words. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And that's what you're talking about. How can you look at that and say, hey, this is a horrible, nasty, bitter, difficult, unpleasant trial. And God is saying, consider it pure joy. And he goes on to say, why? Because, you know, the testing of your faith produces perseverance and perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. And that you're you're so right there. That's when we we get big is when we're under the the bench press of, you know, trial. And when we push that thing up a few times, that's when we get strong. And that's that's so true, Barry. And that's really where our fathering comes in, isn't isn't keeping our kids from ever experiencing the depth of emotion. It's fathering them through that's right. the depths of emotion and pointing them exactly to what you just said, Rick. So here's what this means, son. Here's what this means, daughter. Here, here's the future on the other end of this if we walk this out mm-hmm. God's way. Uh, and I would just yeah. and I would just add, Perry, to what you were saying. You know, just think thinking back, I'm sure all three of us could probably agree that we wouldn't change experiences in our life, maybe where we experience some of those depths of sorrow, um, simply because, like you said, of what we learned from it, how it has worked into the fabric of God, what God has been doing in our lives. And so, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm big right now into just really trying to trying to live in every moment, regardless of the, of what they are, recognizing that there is this this breadth of the human experience and breadth of the human emotion on one end is the pure joy. It is the, it's those, those mountaintop moments that you're talking about, Rick, but, but there, there are so many different nuances to the spectrum of human, human emotion, including on the other end of the spectrum and, and walking out those as well feeds into what it means to be, to be human. I mean, Jesus and Jesus wept, right? I mean, there are so many poignant verses about Jesus weeping uh, over over the city and and broken souls, and and he experienced all of that as well. And so, we wouldn't want to deprive our kids of those experiences. It's more so, how do we shepherd our kids through those experiences? That's right. That's exactly right. And then one day, our kids turn into adults, and we keep shepherding them. And then one day, they have kids themselves. And we get to be granddads. <laughs> so, Rick, tell us a little bit about that, brother. What's it like to be a, a grandfather? How many grandkids do you have? What's it like? How do you get to see those kids? Yeah, I have six, six grandchildren from two years old to uh, 11, almost, almost 12. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of have the full spectrum of of grandchildren there it is um it is a delight and i used to hear i used to have friends show me pictures of their grandkids right so you know i don't i didn't have grandkids yet you know i just had kids that were getting a little older and i'd have maybe a friend of mine is a little bit older and he he would say hey man my kid 
my son, you know, and his bride, they they had a kid and here's a picture of my grandkid. Here's another picture and another picture and another picture and another picture. And I would think, bro, what has happened to you? You have lost your <laughs> mind. You know, and I, <laughs> so I didn't really get it until my grandchild came and my first grandchild. And then I thought, wow, this is, yeah, this is a big deal. It's another little life that God has put in my hands and, and in my arms that I get to influence and love on and teach. And so, yeah, it's, it's been an incredible, incredible experience. It's different from parenting. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's beautiful, man. Just beautiful. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, do you get to see your grandkids very often? Are they nearby? So I have, four uh, grandchildren that are about two hours away. And then I have two that live with us. So my, my youngest daughter is, is with us probably for another six months or so. It's kind of tr transitioning on some things. And uh, two of the grandkids live with us, the, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, a four-year-old little girl, two-year-old little boy. And How about that? Uh, yeah, that's uh, at times, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it, at times after you know a long day it's a little it can be a little difficult to walk in and kind of be you know sort of have the little little kids sort of dive in on you and want you to go and do and push me on the swing and let's go run and let's walk in the woods and throw sticks and i'm thinking i've worked for 14 hours i just want to sit down yeah so that can that can be hard <laughs> but it is such a joy it keeps keeps me and my wife uh, kind of in the mix with those kids. And uh, after I get up and after the long day, I get up, you know, from the dinner table and push them on the swing and go and walk in the woods. I just feel so blessed to be able to have some impact in their life and to see that next little generation kind of coming up. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. Do you, uh, how much of, you know, thinking back to what you were saying about, your dad's influence with you of playing games, you know, like just being there. Like I just see the vision of that legacy continuing with you as, you know, I know you did that with your kids, but then now you get to do that with your grandkids also. And what an, like what a exceptionally awesome blessing. I know it's, I can only imagine how challenging it is at times because young kids are, I mean, it's just hard, you know, but what a joy it is to have them in the house and being able to play games and do all those things and continue that legacy that either your dad started or continued with you. You did that with your kids and now you get to do that with uh, more than, you know, the, the average uh, grandpa who doesn't have kids in the house. You get to do it more often, more frequently. That's really cool. Yeah, it is. A, it is a blessing. And when we, when we go into the garage and, you know, we'll be at the dinner table and Zaley, uh, that's the the youngest. Uh, I mean, that's my, the granddaughter lives with us. She'll, she'll say, Hey, let's play ping pong. Let's play ping pong. Let's play ping pong. And I say, all right, all right. Right after dinner. So finish your dinner, put your plates up. Once you get your little place cleaned off, then we're going to go play ping pong. And in that setting, I try to teach her, he, here's how to share with your little brother. Yeah. Here's how to help your little brother. No, we 
yeah, you missed it, but we don't get mad. It's all right. It's, well, we're just going to try it again. That's how we do. Try again. We're going to try again and try to begin to teach you these little principles about living in life while we play. And she won't even know I've taught her. She just she will catch it. That's beautiful. Yeah, and I was gonna. That was going to be my question: is how maybe you you show up in in that role for your grandkids maybe differently than you did for your own kids. Is that, is that something you're, you're aware of? Are you intentional about that? And going back to Perry referenced John Eldridge's book, Father by God, he, he talks about it as sort of being the sage stage of, of the masculine journey where, where I would sort of look at, at maybe that being the stage that you're in now, you have the opportunity of now taking on a lifetime's worth of, of experience and wisdom about what it means to walk with God and, and, and lead a good life and, and all of those types of things. Are you intentional in trying to impart some of that on your grandkids and even still your, your kids? Uh, and, and how might you be doing that differently now with your grandkids, maybe than you would with your own kids? Yeah, that's, uh, I'm just thinking that's a, like a, that's a lot to sort of unpacking in my life. What, what all that looks like um, with, with the children that are, with us, living with us for right now, I'm more intentional about uh, delivering consequences occasionally. Like, hey, you did this, so this is this is how it is, and I will be the instrument by which they learn a hard lesson. But with the with the grandchildren uh, in you know two hours away in the other city, with you know they're with mom and dad, yeah. And mom and dad, that's your deal, man. That's your <laughs> that's your problem. I'm 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 not going to get in between them and the consequences, but I'm probably not going to be the instrument by which they experience consequences at that point. If if that little boy, uh, you know, if that little boy needs a spanking, it's probably going to be dad or mom. It's probably not going to be granddad, you know. So it's a little bit different in that I know. The great parenting has happened there and I could have a different role with them where the kids in my home, I have to be a little bit more uh, parental. And in some ways, that's a hard mix, not getting in between my daughter and her decisions. And I'm always like, hey, that's your decision, you know, so. But but I think there's still such an important role that the grandparent plays because so so often you see grandparents who just spoil. It's like, okay, the, the, it's the parent's job to parent. I get that. When I get them, I just get to dote on them and spoil them and stuff like that. But even if the parents are doing a good job, there's a different perspective. And sometimes kids can hear things from a grandparent in a way that they can't from their own yeah. parents. Yeah. I know my kids will go spend a day fishing with their grandpa. And, and man, they love that. First of all, I'm not a big fisherman. And so they get to do something with him that they don't, they don't get to do with me necessarily, but they'll come back and, and they'll tell me all of these things grandpa taught them and showed them. And here's what he said about this and, and life stuff, not just, you know, they're not just talking about sports. They'll say, Hey, he, here's what he told me about praying or, or forgiving or walking with God, things that you've talked about right. as well. And I'm like, I've told you that before. You know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's like boop, in one ear, out the other. But when grandpa says it, man, they they listen to it and they internalize those messages. And so, so yeah, I think, you know, obviously I'm not a grandparent myself yet, but I just 
think that there is such an important role that a grandparent can play above and beyond just giving them a bunch of Oreos and let them do whatever they want when they're with grandma and grandpa because they get their consequences at home. <laughs> you'll you'll find your way, brother. You'll find your way. I would say this, a lot of what you're I thought as we as you were speaking that a lot of what I do with the grandkids is what I do with my adult children. Hmm. And, and it's funny. I ne- it had never occurred to me till you were, till you were talking. And I thought, you know what? With my grandchildren, I'm going to, I'm going to say things like, um, "Hey, you know, uh, hard things happen, and that's and that's how we learn, you know." And and going to try to give them. I hesitate to say wisdom because you know I don't, you know. I'm not, I don't consider myself to be like, when I see wise, when I saw that heading or that chapter, wise sage, I'm like, yeah, we can, I could skip that, you know, (laughs) because wise and sage, I wouldn't describe myself by those two terms. But what I try to do is give them, those little grandchildren, some wisdom about life and living. And maybe in the form of a question, or maybe in the form of a little story, you know, or, a, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of like a, like a modern day parable, you know, like, Hey, when I was a little boy, this is, I did this, I found this, that happened to me. And that's almost the same thing I do with the adult. Ask them the question, Hey, you know, yeah, I was wondering, you know, do you think that's always the way it has been with you and, and the children or, you know, asking that question, trying to give them that little bit of wisdom, you know, it's almost the same on those two ends. And I, I, I never thought about that. I'm not, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to, um, with the adult, they're going to feel the consequences of their actions by way of society and finances and those things. Yeah. And it's my role to say, hey, man, let's think about this together. You know, how did this happen? And up to me, and here's my, and it's almost the same way, at least in my mind, with my grandkids. A lot of the parental grind of day-to-day discipline is going to be on them. And I'm bringing that wisdom to the table like, hey, you know, let's think about this. And how did that happen? And what did your brother say when you hit him? And I don't know. It's a funny concept, but you sort of bring that to my mind like, hey, it's, what I do with the grands is kind of what I do with the adults. That's pretty cool insight. And I would say, I would, I would venture a guess, or I would ask, there's a lot of that in your uh, role as a chaplain. You've been a pastor for a lot of years. You've been now a chaplain now for a number of years. I would guess there's uh, some element of that same style of fathering that comes out in your work as a pastor or as a chaplain, because Obviously, you're not creating consequences for, you know, anybody that you're leading in that way spiritually, but you're probably asking them a lot of questions. Is that, would that be accurate? Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, it's a, um, read a book uh, not too long ago. Can't remember the author's name. Shame on me. But the title was Questioning Evangelism. And the preface to the book was how Jesus was so much a guy who would ask the question and might might not and more oftentimes than not would not give you the answer but he would toss the question out there 
And that question would cause you to you know, start rolling in your mind and in your heart, thinking about deeper things and greater things and questioning your, your actions and who am I and who is God and those kind of things. And that's when I, when I do it well, and that's not very often, but when I do it well, I find that I have asked the right question mm. and to ask them that question and then not give them a response or even an out or even a, or even wiggle room sometimes just ask the question and then tell them, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know that I've got the answer, but this is the question that I, I find running around in my mind and hopefully can get them to open their heart and make a place for the Lord to work, to bless them in their spiritual life and their relationship and their finances and whatever else it might be and their parenting and their fatherhood. And yeah, by asking the question and then listening, you know, I had a guy, um, I visited a family who uh, lost their father uh, recently and the father was a barber and the son worked with the father and recounted to me that in these last days when they're mourning the passing of the father, that there've been a lot of men who have come into the barbershop and said, your dad, your dad, uh, I loved your dad. Your dad always made me feel like somebody. I thought what a legacy that, that is. There were times when he, they, they didn't want to, they weren't open to the gospel or to have a discussion about who the Lord was. Sometimes they were, and a lot of people would testify to that fact. But even the guys that, we're keeping God at, you know, arm's length could, could say about that man. He always made me feel like somebody. I just thought that was so beautiful. That is beautiful. It's very, that's very profound, beautiful. And what a, like you said, what a legacy and, and what a tribute, you know? Well, I want to, uh, we probably ought to think about starting to wrap up, but, um, you know, a lot of guys at your age are kind of ready. They're thinking about, you know, retirement, getting out of the game, maybe hitting the uh, golf links, you know, five days a week, or I don't know, going on a big, long sailing adventure, you know, sailing away with the bride. Uh, what, what do you think is uh, on the horizon for you? Or do you know yet? You know, it's maybe that's too much, but you're still, uh, still figuring that out, waiting to hear from the Lord. But what's on the horizon for you, at least in your mind right now? Yeah, yeah, I'm right on, right on the edge of 65. So my friends and my wife are all like, "When you gonna retire, bro? When you gonna?" It's and I, it's it's hard because I love what I do, and the Lord, the Lord, the Lord Jesus. Without you know a lot of the story, Perry, but without getting into the story, he with his big old arm jerked me up out of where I was and put me in Wilmington with a task, with a purpose. Hey, you're coming here and you're going to be the chaplain for, you know, 850 employees in the workplace. Yeah. And that's how I got here. And I don't feel comfortable disengaging from that until the board is like, you're done. Check. Yeah. Right. So I still have not got, I don't have that confirmation. 
There's so many other things I'd like to do. I, I could be much more involved with ministry and, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, kind of intentionally through my, through my church that I can't do right now that I could do if I was retired. But I don't know, finding, finding my way in that. You did catch my ear a little bit when I read uh, jumping on a sailboat and sailing away. Cause you know, I could very easily uh-huh. uh, get on board a 35 foot catch and uh, put, put Debbie in the, in the passenger seat and, you know, head out to uh, points East. So, uh, but that's a dream that I had years ago that I've given to the Lord and said, Hey, it'll happen if you want it to happen. I just want to follow you. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, any, um, any advice for dads out there? I think it's been an amazing show today. So much, so much gold, so much good stuff, but maybe in just kind of a wrap up, you know, there's dads out there listening to this podcast, striving to show up every day as the best father they can be. Um, you know, I know you said you don't feel like a wise sage, but I certainly uh, honor and view you as a wise sage. You've definitely been that in my life. I know you've been it in others. So even if you don't feel like one, uh, you're certainly one to me. And I certainly believe you to be one to, to many others also. So just any anything come to mind in terms of a closing remark or wrap up or anything like that? Well, you've kind of sort of killed me a little bit there with that lead up <laughs> because you're like... I think you're the wise sage. Say something great as we're tuning out. So I'll, I'll ask it this way. I'll ask it this way. I'll put you on the spot. Help me. Help me, Brett. Help me. Is there a question? Is there a, gener- a generic question that that men can wrestle with? What What's a question that you would have for me that might challenge me in how I'm thinking about showing up as a father? about what's important to me, about what I'm doing for God's kingdom, like whatever it is. I won't put the question in your mind, but maybe what are questions that you've asked other men in the past that have been transformative in their lives? Or just maybe, again, just as men, as Perry was saying, are wrestling with, man, how do I show up better for my kids? How do I, how do I father them well? How do I, how do I do this fathering thing to the best of my ability? Is there a question or two that might guide our thinking, even just today? Maybe yeah. not for the rest of our lives, but what's something I can meditate on today as I go through my journey? Yeah. So as you were speaking again, uh, the Lord, I think, kind of brought something to my mind. Um, it's The question is this. Um, as you're parenting and as you're dealing with your children, whether they're littles, whether it's uh, you're dealing with an issue that's public or private, you know, like or and then when you're children get older, the question would be, is this about you or is this about the child? Mm, Man, is this, is this about you? Are you just upset because your child is acting like a weenie and you're in Walmart and everyone's looking at you and you're, you're, you're worried because you look like a, a bad parent. Is this about you? Or is this about the child? And and as they get older and they make and they're adults and they get caught doing stupid stuff and they pay big consequences, you need to ask yourself, you know, 
as you're relating to them and in your choices about how to handle it and how to deal with it, you need to ask yourself, is this about you or is this about the child? I guess, and I want to end with this, with this story. It was um, in the midst of a very difficult time with one of my children. I had a, um, I had a, uh, she was actually the wife of a deacon. She should have been the deacon because uh, she was, or in addition to her husband, you know, her husband was a deacon, but she was so full of the Lord and so full of uh, uh, wisdom and grace. And she came to my office one day and she, not a lot of people knew, but she knew we were kind of going through a little bit of a rough patch. And uh, I'm, I'm being pastoral, trying not to let anybody you know, I don't want this to be about me in the church, you know, when I got to talk about my junk, you know. So I was trying to keep it under wraps a little bit. She came to my office and knocked on the door and uh, said, you got a second? I said, yeah. So she stood there in her doorway and she looked at me from across the room. I was behind my desk and she said, um, how is uh, your child? And I said, yeah, doing, doing, doing good, doing good. And that was a lie. But you know, forgive me for that, but just didn't want to crack that egg open right then. And she looked at me from across the room, knowing what was going on and said this, you know, Adam and Eve, they had a pretty good daddy, didn't they? And then she turned around and walked out of the room. Putting two and two together in the next few milliseconds, I thought, okay, I think what she's trying to say to me is sometimes it's, it's not about you. It wasn't about your choices. It was about the choice that the child made. And even God, who never did anything wrong with his kids, saw his kids make a really bad choice. And so take heart. Take heart, preacher man. And uh, that was something I'll always remember and something I've shared from time to time with other people in the midst of their struggle with their adult children. Man, I. Yeah, that just hits me. I, I think that's a great place to wrap up. So I appreciate you sharing your heart. It's been great to get to know you here on this podcast. Uh, you can definitely see why Perry speaks so highly of you. And I am confident that everybody listening to this has been blessed as well. So Perry, I don't know if you have any final thoughts, but, uh, but yeah, just appreciate you and our time together today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Rick, for, uh, like I said, in, in the early part of the show, not only for being here today, but for being in my life all these years. You've been a joy and a blessing to share this adventure, this journey called life with. And um, thank you. Thank you. You mean the world to me, brother. And uh, thanks to all the listeners for being here uh, today. I'm telling you what, I have gleaned some amazing wisdom uh, from my friend Rick Brewer, the wise sage, who uh, he doesn't think Jesus. he is, he doesn't he doesn't know that he is, but he is. Um, but that's a, even more of a testimony to your wisdom is that uh, you give God the glory and give Him the honor, and that's what we want to do today is is give God the glory and the honor, yeah, and uh, walk through life asking asking walk through the fathering journey this week, walk through the fathering journey today. Is this about me? Or is this about my child? So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We hope you uh, subscribe, share, and follow the podcast, and um, be blessed. Thanks for, thanks for everything, everybody.
Till next time. Peace.